Welcome to Roman's Road, the podcast of me, Eddie Roman. This is where we talk about evangelism and apologetics and all kinds of Christian stuff. COVID-19 has changed our lives in so many ways, and one of the ways is that we are all on the internet way more than ever before. Like, I'm working all day and, and doing stuff at night, and I'm just constantly on the internet in one form or another. And that's a great thing in a lot of ways, but it's also a horrific thing in the sense that right now, more than ever before, there's a whole lot of young men and old men who are looking at pornography way more than they have in the past. And pornography is one of those things that every man deals with at some point. I know I have my own personal struggle back in the day. It's just one of those things that Satan uses to dig into the soul of a young man and drag him down. And that's the bad news. But the good news is that there are many resources to help us battle with this. And I have in my hand a new resource, a book by my friend Josh Sazdanoff. And the title of this book is Blessed Are the Pure. This is a new resource that just came out. And in a little bit, I'm going to tell you how you can get it. But this is a book that will help you or the young men in your life, any man, I guess. Age isn't really an issue when it comes to this sin. It's going to help you to deal with the sin, the battle against pornography. And today on the show, we are going to get to hear from the author of this book, Josh himself. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Glad to be here, Eddie. It's my pleasure, brother. All right. And as you guys can tell, because of COVID-19, we are not sitting in the same room. We are obeying the social distancing guidelines, and we are doing this through Zoom. So, Josh, you are not only an author, you also are a b-boy, a breakdancer. And uh, I got to work with you a while ago on the way of the Master TV show. And yes, we did sir. a segment on you. And, um, you know, before we get into the book, just very briefly, I know this this show really isn't meant to be about your uh, dancing ministry, but give us just a little quick thing about um, what it is you do. Yeah, my name is Josh Sazdanoff, and I lead a b-boy, which is breakdance ministry. We basically use b-boying as a bridge to reach the youth and the hip-hop culture with the gospel. So our ministry puts on competitions, and we host big, large-scale competitions in our gymnasium at our church, where we'll get a bunch of non-believers who don't know Christ cram into this gym. We'll uh, have a big cash prize. We'll have big-name judges, and I'll give a gospel message right in the middle of it, and there's nothing unclear about it. Uh, On the flyer, it says this event is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I've been doing this for over 10 years now by God's grace, and we go out to local practice spots all over Orange County, the Los Angeles area, and just building relationships with these B-boys and sharing Christ one-to-one with them and just constantly planting and watering, planting and watering in this culture that's very universalistic. They're just, uh, they're very accepting of Christianity almost to a fault where it's like, oh, that's good for you, but my way is Buddhism or my way is, you know, Hinduism or whatever it is, you know, their religion or their belief. And so uh, we were very clear about the exclusivity of Christ, that he's the only way to God and it's only through Christ. And so anyways, yeah, that's what I do. Break, break dancing is our bridge to reach this culture, to win them to the gospel. Yeah. And so I got to know Josh in just kind of going around with him to some of his events and um, filming a video. And, and you can actually watch these videos. You have a, a website. What's your website real quick, Josh? Yeah. Website is breakingforjesus.com. So like breaking and then F-O-R and then Jesus.com. Yeah. And that's so on website. that website, you can watch this man do his thing. And also 
you can find the book on this website as well. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, Josh, obviously you've been around young men for many, many years, whether in, in, uh, you know, a youth group or a, uh, basically a pastoral capacity. And so I imagine pornography is one of the things you've been dealing with for a long time. Yeah. Wow. I would say mainly since college, I didn't really start struggling with lust till I got into college, but just talking at lots and lots of different guys, Bible studies. Um, I currently lead a men's group at my church. I'm the men's young men's pastor and, uh, I'm, constantly dealing with fornication, masturbation, pornography being just sexual sins that a lot of guys struggle with, deal with. Um, They're apathetic to it or they're living in shame about it. And it's just so rampant in the church. And it really is just sucking men's life, spiritual life dry. And I have such a heart to want to help these guys get out of these pits that the devil brings them into. And even their own following their own fleshly desires they bring themselves into the it's like being in bondage like being in chains and they're looking for a way out by god's grace i want to show them the truth that sets them free absolutely and it's funny you just said the word masturbation and i and i just cringed and i think that's a natural reaction when you're in any yeah. kind of christian ministry like these are just the things you just don't want to talk about you don't want to yep. hear about them and that's right. part of the problem Right. You know, every once in a while at church, there might be a sermon that touches on this. Um, but yeah. but by and large, this isn't a subject that guys like to talk about. This isn't a subject that pastors like to do sermons on. It's dirty. Right. It's nasty. It's shameful. Yeah. Um, but that's the whole reason I want to do this podcast. You know, this is an audio format. People can listen to this in the privacy of their own headphones. And so yeah. I just think it's really important to get this information out there. So Josh, I'd like to begin with um, just, just kind of getting a little personal. People do ministries a lot of times because it's something their heart is into. What's your personal story with overcoming lust? Yeah. Um, born and raised in a Christian home. Went to a Christian school from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. Went to a conservative slash sort of legalistic church growing up and was saved in that church and went to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. And so I was immersed in a Christian bubble. Uh, my whole youth and was blessed by it for sure. And to be honest, I didn't struggle deeply with lust till I got into college. Um, I was living with a Christian roommate and was up late one night, made a foolish choice to be up late. And I was alone uh, watching cable TV and just started watching some dirty infomercials. Mm-hmm. And uh, that started a downward spiral of getting into pornography. And I just went to the computer and uh started lusting and then that started my first night actually you know not to be too graphic but that's when i first masturbated when i was 19 years old and started this really nasty cycle of pornography and masturbation and uh it was a lot of sin confess sin confess sin confess and by the grace of god at the church i went to at the time in i was living in arizona I was blessed with an amazing accountability partner his name was andreas and he had a testimony of struggling with lust in his past He's from uh, Europe, actually. And, you know, like on basic TV channels in Europe, a lot of the channels have like pornography. Yeah. Um, and he, he struggled at that time. But God had set him free and he was married, had kids. And uh, he mentored me and he really uh, he was a great accountability partner in my life. Um, I attribute a lot of my victories, of course, to the grace of God, but also just having a godly man in my life to show me the scriptures Wow. And to not let me wallow in any kind of self-pity. And uh, I think there's just times when we want to make excuses like, oh, this is too hard. Every guy struggles. Yeah. It's 
not that big of a deal. Who's this hurting? I'm not married, so I'm not hurting anybody. So Andreas really laid into me in love. And, uh, you know, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And he just pointed me to the scriptures saying, we're dead to sin. We're alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's not who you are in Christ. You've been freed from sin's power. And don't act like a victim. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. And um, all these truths that I've actually written in the book, a lot of them come from Andreas's mentorship, pointing me wow. to the scriptures. That's and so, so cool. it's been, uh, to conclude this real quick, it's been uh, 12 years now by God's grace that I've looked at any pornography mm. and I've uh, been free from that lifestyle of uh, habitual sin by the grace of God. And I got to stay humble saying that, but I'm so thankful for people like Andreas and obviously the word of God, the spirit of God working in me to free me from that. Man, sounds like Andreas directed you to, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's an, yes. that's an amazing thing. Why is it that Christians, and specifically Christian men, even though they have the resources available, they have the power of the Holy Spirit available to them, they have the Word of God, why is it that so many Christian men are not living in victory over sexual sin, You know, specifically pornography? Why is that? Yeah, great question, Eddie. I was thinking of two things when you asked me that. Um, one is apathy, uh, and the other is shame. I think those are the two things the devil and our flesh loves us to settle into, so we can't walk in victory over lust. Um, first, I'll deal with apathy. Apathy is not caring really about the things of God, or not mm. treating it the way God sees it. Like God sees sin in a much greater light than we do, of course. And thank God our sins are paid for and we're not under condemnation, we're under yeah. his grace. But however, you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction, like Galatians 6 says. Yeah. And I feel like too many guys, and this is where most of people, the guys that I see who I've mentored or talked to over the years, this is where I see the pendulum swung to this side more so than shame. But guys living in apathy are just like making excuses always, like, oh, all guys struggle. It's just a, it's something I have to deal with. Guys are visual and it, you know, like, and we're under God's grace. So he forgives me of it. And the one I heard recently was, uh, it's impossible to quit. You just, it's impossible. Yeah. I even try. Yeah. Yeah. And so those are all the lies that you've told yourself or other guys have told you, maybe even a Christian community yeah. uh, that you believe and you just stay in that place of defeat and you stay in that place of missing out on a deeper relationship with God. That's why I titled this book, Blessed Are the Pure, because mm. it's based on Matthew 5. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Yeah. I feel like you want to have a deeper, more intimate relationship with God. You've got to get sexual sin out of your life. And the problem is too many guys are apathetic about it, sadly. And there's got to be a wake-up call to it. There's got to be an understanding to the holiness of God, the price that he paid for our sins to mm. waken us to the reality of it's an offense to a holy God. And he bought us with his precious blood. And we want to honor him with our bodies. Like first Corinthians six says, like we were bought with a price. Therefore honor Christ, you know, with your bodies. Yeah. And then other guys are, some guys might be living in shame or they're too embarrassed. They're overwhelmed with guilt and they don't even open up about it to people because they're so shamed about what they've done. And uh, that's another place the devil would want to keep somebody in this place of condemnation and they're useless to God. And God does not want anybody to be in that place either. So by the grace of God, we need to be free from apathy. We need to be free from shame and confess it to another brother. Confess it to your pastor, youth, youth pastor, and start getting help. That's the first step is to own up to your sin and admit it and ask for grace and ask for prayer and ask for help. So, so you're saying confession 
is is the key. You know, it's like with apathy, it's someone is saying it's not a big deal. With shame, they're saying the opposite. It's too big of a deal. I can't yeah. tell anyone. And yet the key to both of them is just to confess to your brother. That's that's a that's that's great advice. So let me ask you this. Is this a battle that you can win um, on your own? Like you're saying you gotta confess it to someone. Well, obviously that's hard to do, you know? You people are shameful, people people right. don't wanna have to deal with basically someone who's who's you know in their mind telling them what to do telling them what they they can and can't watch they know it's wrong but at the same time you know i i personally like many men just just don't like people telling me what to do <laughs> you know yeah and then times that by a hundred when you got a subject where it's kind of shameful so is this something that you have to have you know help with or is this something you can you can do on your own no, you gotta you gotta have someone helping you. Absolutely, you really um, have to, huh? Yeah, I do. Um, this is not a Lone Ranger thing. I think too many Christian men try to be Lone Ranger Christians, and that you know God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So I true. feel like it's a form of pride, definitely, to say like, oh, I, I can do this, and uh, I don't need to talk to anybody about it, and it's between me and God, and yeah. that's not how God has articulated Christianity. Christianity is a body of believers fighting for one another, praying for one another, interceding on each other's behalf. Yep. And you got you to gotta have people in your life. And like I said earlier, like without Andreas in my life, I don't really think I'd ever been free from this sin for someone to, it's not just that he gave me counsel and we met, you know, on a weekly basis, but also throughout the week, I would be tempted multiple times to lust. And so I would text message him, Hey, I'm struggling, please pray. And he knew what that was about. And he would pray for me right in that moment. And I would feel a relief or a strength or a grace infused in that moment to overcome the temptation. And so when someone's fighting in your quarter, fighting on your behalf, you're going to see victory. But if you're by yourself and keeping it concealed and it's just between me and God, I think you're going to be stuck there the rest of your life. So we got to have other brothers fighting on our behalf and speaking truth in our life as well. Like I think of another Proverbs, I don't remember the exact verse, but it says wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy only multiplies kisses. So you can, you know, it's like that tough love. You're wounding somebody in love, telling them the truth. Like, Hey, this stuff is damaging to you in your relationship with God. This is damaging to the way you view women and the way you're going to treat women and the way you're going to treat your wife and maybe your daughters when you have kids and whatnot. So you have someone wounding you in love to tell you the truth. So it turns you in repentance to do the right thing. Yeah. So without someone doing that in your life, I think you're going to be stuck. No, that makes sense. You know, it's it's definitely a lot easier to hide from your own sin and and from uh, you know just just your responsibility towards God when you're alone. You know, we are called to come alongside each other in love and to to help each other in everything, including getting past struggles with sin. So let me ask you this: What are some major pitfalls to watch out for? With lust, you know, yes, it, it makes sense to have an accountability partner, but the partner, of course, isn't going to be next to you all the time when you're on your computer, when you're on your phone, when you're watching TV or, or your movie choices. What are, what are some pitfalls? What are some things we can watch out for that have to do with lust? Yeah, I think something to safeguard you from getting into pornography, masturbation, whatever, fornication, like leading to sexual sin, any kind of sexual sin is mm-hmm. definitely watching out for compromise. A story I write in my book is a common story. I think we've all heard it is about the frog that jumps into the pot on the stove and it's before the stove is turned on and it's just lukewarm water and the frog is swimming around. It's fine. 
But the moment you slowly and gradually increase the temperature, the frog gets acclimated to each slowly increment of temperature. Right. And it boils itself to death. And that's exactly how sin works. Um, You think about stories of adultery, um, typically maybe with a pastor or something. It starts off with innocent stuff. Oh, a woman's hurting. She's confiding in the pastor. So they meet alone and then the door shut and then he meets with her for lunch. And it's the slippery slope that leads to an affair and leads to adultery. Yeah. Same thing with King David. He's out on the rooftop and he's supposed to be at war with his men. And he's just twiddling his thumbs, staring at his navel and bored. And then he's looking out from the rooftop of his palace and he sees Bathsheba bathing. And the lust of the eyes led to him lusting in his heart and having to have her. And we know the whole story. He breaks all the Ten Commandments from, from that one instance where he compromised when he should have been doing the work of the Lord, but he let his guard down. Yeah. And I think ways, practical ways, I feel like we leave, we leave our guard down is usually with TV, with social media. Mm. Um, we watch shows that are not pornography, quote unquote, but they have maybe a sex scene in it. Yeah. Uh, they maybe have women lingerie or cleavage or stuff that'll fuel your lust or right. feed your flesh. And we justify it saying, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not pornography when it's feeding your flesh and little by little Satan weakens your resolve till you come to the point where you're vulnerable and you give in to sin and you're like that boiled frog who gets boiled to death. Yeah. I've been a Christian since about 1992 and over the course of my life, I can think of five different pastors, guys that I knew personally friends who, who have fallen um, as a result of sexual sin. And none of these guys set out to do that. None of these no. guys were like sneaking around. It, it's it's like you said, it was a gradual letting themselves do things they might they know was wrong, but a little bit of the time. And next thing you know, they're in the middle of an affair and they have they have no idea how they ended up there. But it's like you said, it's just a little bit at a time, you know. It's it's such a, a horrible sin and um it's like you said, yep. it's just that compromise. There's a verse, Eddie, actually, Ephesians 5, 3. It says, there should not even be a hint mm. of sexual morality. Yeah. I think if you have that heart of like, I don't want to have anything close to sexual sexual content in my movies, in my media, right. in my house, whatever, allowing my kids to watch things that are that, you know, like when you have that heart, like no hints of sexual morality, I think that'll really safeguard you from getting yeah. into to lust. Well, I remember Billy Graham, you know, he, he was famous for his... Uh, his uh, evangelism campaigns yeah. but another thing he was a fa- he was famous for was just his stance on um you know being around women he yep. it, it was well known that he would never be in a car or in the same room with a woman he wasn't married to and he got a lot of flack for that he got he got made fun of in the press but man guy lived a long life never fell you know and so yep. there, there's there's a lot to that like you said not not even a hint that's uh, that's that's great. So let me yeah. ask you this, Josh. Why is lust so hard to break free from, as opposed to some other sins? You know, there's a whole lot of sins out there. It seems that lust is one of those things that a lot of Christian men, it, it just follows them around for years and years and years. Why? Why is it especially hard to to get free from that one? Yeah, it's one of those. I don't want to say besetting sins, but it's like when you taste it for the first time, you can be addicted Mm. to it. Um, It's just extremely addictive in nature. You know, I think there's been studies done where pornography releases the same kind of feelings and endorphins and dopamine in your body like drugs do. 
Yeah. Um, you take certain drugs, it releases those incredible feelings, right? The incredible high yeah. that you get. And pornography does that to the mind. And it really does alter your psyche, it starts changing your thoughts. And mm. that's what we in the Christian community would say strongholds, strongholds start taking root in there. Yeah. And uh, the high is not as good as the first time they watch pornography. So they got to watch more dirty pornography and more vulgar pornography, which I don't even want to get into. But yeah, they got to step it up. It, it, it no longer satisfies yeah. them. Yep. And so it's just extremely addictive in its nature, as opposed to some other sins that are sinful and wrong, of course. But it, it, it's just like a drug. I guess that's the best way I could describe it. It's like yeah. a, taking a hit of meth or, you know, some sort of heroin or something. And, you know, por- pornography has that same effect. But it's very deceptive because you're not injecting yourself with anything. You're not doing anything. And even their culture sells it on book, you know, uh, magazine shops. And you can so easily access it on your phone and on your computer. And it doesn't seem the sa- same damaging as drugs would be, you know. Right. So it's highly addictive in its nature. I think that's why. Man. Well, you know, I do a lot of uh, street preaching and apologetics. And and I I talk to a lot of young men who are not Christians. I'm going to hit you with a a question that I get once in a while. Christians sometimes think this as well. And the question is this. Yeah, maybe I'm watching porn. Maybe I'm looking at magazines. But you know what? I'm not really hurting anyone. How does porn hurt anyone else it's it's just something i'm doing myself i'm not hurting anyone you know does porn really hurt others if if i'm watching it alone absolutely sin always affects the people around us whether we like it or not whether we admit it or not Mm. um it has a has a negative effect on the people around us especially obviously if you're married uh you're looking at porn it's going to affect your relationship with your wife um when you, like I said this in the last question you asked me, you know, when, when you look at porn, it's highly addictive and it changes your psyche, changes your thought process. Right. So the way that you view women as they walk in the gym, as they walk in your classroom, Man, as you go so to the true. beach, you're viewing women in a way as objects. Like yeah. you're, you're going to look them up and down. You've been looking at porn a lot. You're going to look at a woman up and down at the mall and start imagining what it's like to have sex with that woman. And you're going to start thinking that way. You're going to start acting that way. And I actually heard, I was looking up some stories, secular stories, actually, about um, people who had struggled with pornography. And Ted Bundy, I believe was his name, the serial killer, yeah, started off looking at pornography. He was like, I guess, a clean cut guy, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And uh, he started looking at porn. And then he got into deeper, disgusting porn. And he got to the worst, whatever you can get. Right. And it wasn't enough of a high for him. So he went to serial killing. He went to killing and then it turned into serial killing to give him those feelings that rush. And I thought it was unbelievable how his whole life started with pornography and it led to that. You know, it it can lead, I've heard of stories of men, uh, a guy who was in pornography and he just stuff that he had watched and I'm not going to get into details, but he was at a gym. He ended up following a woman and putting his arms around her neck Mm. And just from the stuff he had been watching in porn and stuff, and it led him to do that to this innocent woman. He didn't even know at a gym yeah. in the parking lot. And uh, it's just unbelievable how you could think oh, it doesn't hurt anybody. That is the biggest lie that the devil wants to make you believe that it's not going to affect you. It's not going to affect others. Yeah. Sin always affects not only our relationship with God, but those around us, just like King David. Once again, you read the story of King David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, it affected everything. And even his whole kingdom, was never really the same after that. He was forgiven, absolutely. And he was still looked at as a man after God's own heart. But right. there was a lot of bad stuff that happened in David's life, which were repercussions that started from adultery. 
So yeah, and obviously not everyone who watches pornography is going to turn into a mass no, murderer. No, no. But no. I totally agree with you in that I yeah. have seen the same kind of studies done, the same kind of news reports done, where yeah. they they'll interview. Um, all these mass murderers, I'll interview all these yep. rapists. And the key among all of them is they're all pornography viewers for yep. years and years and years. And yep. like you said, they no longer see these women as a creation of God. They no longer see this woman as yep. a respectable human being. They see him as a piece of meat. They see him as yep. something that can gratify their sexual urges. And they're no longer thinking in a rational way that this is a person in front of me. They're just thinking this is something that can fulfill my my desires. So totally agree with 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 that. Absolutely. Obviously, you and I are fathers. We have children, and the goal of a father is going to be to raise that that son or that daughter in Christ to to right. you know raise a person who's going to follow God. Um, and yet, realistically, our sons are probably going to look at pornography at some point. You know, all the time you hear about kids who their friend hands them a phone and it yeah. has pornography on it, they weren't even planning on it. Like, yeah. you know, when you were when you and I were younger, um, it wasn't on phones. When I was younger, I didn't even have the internet. I had to, you know, yeah. people had to go either to a liquor store to buy, you had to be 18, or maybe someone's friend, someone's perverted dad had their secret stash. And so yeah. you might see pornography that way. You had to work to find it. Nowadays... Right. It's coming to you all the time. Oh, yeah. You got to work to stay away from it. It's, it's, it's a, a very different thing. So knowing that our sons and even our daughters are, are going to view this stuff, how should a father respond to his son if and when the son is caught or confesses his struggle with porn? Because kind of like we were saying at the beginning, especially in the Christian church, this is a massively oh, shameful yeah. thing to where me as like a supposed upstanding Christian member of the church, the last yeah. thing I want is for anyone to know that my son looked at pornography, you know? Right. Like, so if that was to happen to me, I could see feeling shame, feeling bad, and I could see a whole lot of anger coming towards my kid at that point. Sure. So, so how should we as fathers and even mothers who are listening to this, how should we respond to our children when they're honest with us or they're not honest with us, they get caught and they're confessing to us that they're struggling with porn. Yeah, that's a good question. I have not had to deal with that because my boys are young. They're my oldest is seven years old and um, I will probably more than likely have to deal with that yeah. in the next few years. You know, I would just say from my experience with my own father, my dad uh, is a solid Christian man. He's my hero. He's my mentor. And, uh, I remember when I confessed to my dad, uh, when I was 19 or 20 and that was really hard for me to do, even though my dad is a gracious man. Um, you know, it was just awkward to tell my own father, like I'm struggling looking at porn. And yeah. He showed me a ton of grace, not in the sense of, uh, you know, just, Oh, it's not a big deal. And we're all men. Um, he, he gave me the scriptures and telling me, this is not who you are in Christ. And you're more than a conqueror. You're not a victim. He always tell me you're not a victim to this, Josh, you're a victor because you're in Christ. Wow. Don't forget that. But he showed me grace and he prayed for me when I confessed. And I think when there's humility shown on the, the, the son's part to say like, dad, I'm struggling, dad, I looked at this or dad, if there's some sort of a humbleness or brokenness about it to admit that um, the dad definitely should respond in grace, you know, with truth, of course, yeah. but in grace and saying, I want to help you. I want to pray for you. What can I do as a dad hmm. to keep you accountable? You know, and if he's living under your roof, 
you need to be the one to set the standards and also to be careful with what you have on your TV. You know, maybe it's not wise to have cable TV in your house. Right. Maybe, maybe he's learning it from you. That's, that's that's exactly. And I'm not trying to tell you black and white, you can't have cable TV or you you can't have this or that. Right. um, For years, to be honest, just recently I got Wi-Fi in my house. I haven't had Wi-Fi internet in my own house for the past 11 years. So Mm -hmm. that just helped me safeguard from lust. And, um, I'm just saying there's certain things like even I think parents are oblivious that they hand their kids a flip phone and a flip phone, <laughs> a smartphone, yeah. they should get a flip phone and I'm a smartphone. And it's like handing them obviously a computer and oh, okay, you know, just be careful. And you know, no, like you can't, that is not wise. You're just not thinking things through. I think when you do that, especially to someone who's already confessed, they've struggled with lust yeah. And, you know, setting up boundaries and setting up safeguards. I know Covenant Eyes has a really good app that you can set up on your yeah. computer, on your phone. And it's just great for accountability and blocking websites. It's not foolproof, but it helps a lot. And but what I'm trying to say is if there is a son who who is humble, broken, admits, confesses, grace should be shown. But I think if this if the son is caught and he's defiant and angry about it and doesn't care about it, Um, I'm not saying I can tell you exactly what to say to him, but I think there needs to be like, well, you're under my house and this stuff is damaging and really telling your son to love the ramifications of what lust does, maybe explaining the story of King David in the Bible and just saying like, Hey, if you walk down this path, it is a path of destruction. And I love you too much to let you go down that path. And, you know, we're going to have boundaries in this house and we're going to have things to be careful of. And you're going to check in with me, you know, every so often, because I love you. And I care yeah. for you. Yeah. No, you know, in, in evangelism, we, we have a, uh, a little guideline, law to the proud, grace to the humble. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, the two different scenarios. One, you know, a, a son getting caught and they're denying everything. The yeah. other would be a humble son coming to you. Man, I, I can tell you this, having four sons. Um, first of all, pornography can come on flip phones. <laughs> and unfortunately, okay. I've, I've seen that. And, and, and just, you know, helping some other, other people out. Isn't it funny how, like, whenever we talk about our experience with something pornography, I got to qualify and say, you know, it wasn't me. It was this other person. It's such, yeah, a, it's yeah. such a shameful thing. It is. Um, it should be. So often with our children, we might get one chance at showing grace to them. You know, if a son comes to you and they are saying, Dad, you know, I, I know I shouldn't do this. Here's what happened. And, and that's a very hard thing for them to do. And at that Absolutely. point, your reaction is probably going to determine whether they ever come to you again yep, with something exactly. that's serious, you know, not to say that that's right or wrong on their behalf, but as a parent, we need to be looking for those opportunities to show grace to our kids, not knowing where it's going to go from there and, and yes. just, just really being on the lookout for those opportunities to lead them in the ways of the Lord. And, and one of those ways is definitely showing grace. Okay, so we've, we've talked about a son um, or a daughter confessing to their parents. What about married men? So, so this is something that happens. I actually listened to a series on um, counseling pornography not too long ago, and one of the issues that comes up in the church is Christian man, he's been looking at pornography, and he gets convicted, and now he wants to tell his wife simply because he wants to confess to her. So on the one hand, that's a good idea because we're supposed to tell our wives everything. On the yeah. other hand, there, there could be a lot, of, uh, a lot of problems that that in and of itself 
brings up. So, so what would you say about this? Should married men who struggle with lust, should they, is this something they should tell their wives? It's a great question, man. I am so thankful that I have not had to do that with pornography in my marriage. Thank, I'm so thankful that I did not struggle with porn in my marriage. That terrifies me to death yeah. <laughs> to like have to, would have to do that. I think it's a spirit led thing. I can give you some counsel that other godly men older than me have told me is yeah, let's it, hear it. it's not wise. I've been told to go into details with your wife, what you looked at. Like if you do confess to her that you lusted, uh, it's not good to say, I went on this website and I, or I watched this video and this is what happened and this is what went down. And because uh, women don't understand the struggle that men have. They're not built, obviously, the way we are. They're not visually stimulated. They're not the same as we are right. in, the, in that aspect of lust and sexual sin. But I would say just having accountability. That's why I was saying when I had Andreas, like you need to have another man you can yeah. confess to and confide in and talk to. Like, I don't believe your wife should be your accountability partner. Just I don't think they're meant to carry that 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 specific issue if that's your struggle. Right. Uh, to keep telling her that, keep sharing with her that, and telling her what that sin is. And now I'm not saying you cannot confess to her at all, or say I've sinned and I disobeyed God and I sinned against you and and I lusted or something to that effect. But I've been told like it's not the wisest thing to no. go into detail about what you looked at, what you did, and tell that every single time to your wife. Um, that's just something I've been told. I know that's not a black and white issue, but yeah, you know, told. I would just add, you know, just use wisdom. Um, if anything, find someone at your church, a, uh, a pastor, someone yeah. who's just a, a older man, not, not necessarily older age, but more right. spiritually mature than you have them become your accountability partner. And then maybe you can ask them, what do you think? Should, what do you think I yep. should t- tell my wife as far as this goes? Um, and, and it's definitely like you said, women are, are different. Than, than men in many ways. I would agree with Josh and say, it's, it's not like a black and white thing. Don't do it or do it. I would just say, use wisdom. Use wisdom with that one because yeah. uh, it's going to get ugly. <laughs> Either yeah, way, I it's going to get agree. ugly. And anytime you confess sin, um, not everyone's going to be happy about it. And so exactly. I, I would just say, uh, just be wise. You know, there's definitely going to be people who are listening to this. I would say every man who listens to this, at some point they've struggled with lust, what do you say to the person who's who's given up the battle? You know, like like hopefully men are listening to this, Christian men are listening to this, and and they're saying, oh, this is good. I got a, I got a couple things from this podcast that are going to help me. Um, I'm going to check out Josh's book. What would you say to the person who who listens to this and they say, you know what? It just doesn't matter. It's too hard. Good for these guys. They got over it somehow. Good for this guy. He had his accountability partner. But for me, it's it's just too much. And, and, and I can guarantee you, some of the people listening to this, they have people in their lives that have confessed to them that they're going through yeah. this same battle. So what do you say to the person who's just kind of given up on the battle against lust? Yeah, there are many points in my walk, especially like I said, in my college years when I really struggled with lust that I wanted to throw in the towel. I was frustrated. I was really consistent with accountability. I had verses memorized. Um, went to church regularly and read my Bible every day almost, and just, you know, tried my best to walk in the spirit, not fulfill the lust of my flesh. And I would still give into this sin at times. Yeah. And I uh, was so angry, so frustrated at myself. And I remember a friend of mine told me at one point uh, when I was just so frustrated, he said, the truth is the truth. And the truth is what sets you free. And you can walk away and say it didn't work for you. But the only thing that's going to work for you is the truth. Huh. And it's kind of a funny way how he worded it, but it made me kind of rethink, like, I can just say, I'm going to look for something else or, or be done with this, or this isn't working. 
And reality, the only thing that's going to work for me is getting back to the truth, the reality of my identity in Christ. Romans 6 was the biggest breakthrough in my walk with purity and getting victory over sexual sin. Romans 6 talks about our identity being in Christ. You know, we got to consider ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Um, Our old self was crucified with Christ and we're no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to God. And all those truths, as I read Romans 6 over and over again, I tried to read it all the, a lot, almost every day to renew my mind and to change my thinking about my identity being in Christ. That as I viewed sin, I realized I'm not a vic- victim to it because Jesus is a victor. And because I'm in Christ, I can say no to this sin because Jesus has already defeated it. It's actually dead. The sin is like a dead corpse and I'm obeying it, acting like it's alive when I give into it, when I'm not, it's dead to me. Right. And so Romans 6 was a huge factor, but I tell a story in my book in the last chapter and I talk about a fight between Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas. Okay. Mike Tyson, as most of us know, was undefeated for years in the eighties. I think from 1987 to 1990, he, nobody took him past the fifth round and he was intimidating. He was ferocious. He was a man fights on YouTube. He yeah. had a video game on Nintendo, Mike Tyson's punch out back in the day, <laughs> whatever. And so in 1990, he fought Buster Douglas and Buster Douglas was this no name guy. And they gave him 42 to one odds. Huh. <laughs> so talk about being an underdog. That's an understatement. And Buster Douglas went in there, fought Tyson the full rounds. And, and even at one point, I think in the eighth or ninth round, Buster Douglas got knocked down and he got to the count, almost the full count. And at the ninth second, right before the 10th second, Buster Douglas stood back up. And he fought more, and then he got took Tyson to the the final round, and he knocked Mike Tyson out. Wow! And I just think of like that same concept. Like Jesus is the one who went for us in the ring, so to speak. Yeah. He died on the cross and destroyed Satan, the power of Satan, destroyed Amen. sin, the power of sin in our life, defeated death through the resurrection. And once we gave our life to Christ and became born again, we took on His identity as a victor. And He's already won the victory for us. And so what we need to do is just persevere with the truth. Charles Spurgeon said this, like, even the snail got a Noah's Ark. I love that. <laughs> you look at like children's books about Noah's Ark, you see the elephants and the giraffes walking, whatever. Right. You never see a picture of a snail, do you? You never see a snail crawling in there. Right. You think of how long it probably took for the snail to get on the ark. That's funny. But through perseverance, the snail got on the ark. Yeah. And I would say just keep fighting, keep persevering with the word of God. Mm-hmm. It's true, even if you feel it or don't feel it. Even if you've, you've struggled today and you sin today, it's the same truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. The mm. truth will set you free, Jesus said. And so by the grace of God and the spirit of God, keep persevering, brother, and don't give up. Amen. Well, Josh, thanks so much. That's been encouraging. You know, so many guys are just in the middle of that battle. Just, we just thank you so much for the encouragement to simply keep at it and not give up. So again, if someone wants to get a hold of your book, Blessed Are the Pure, what, what is your website again? Yeah, it's it's on Amazon as well. You can okay. go on Amazon. There's an ebook version. Mm. Um, but I try to direct people to the website. Um, if you're really struggling, even, I don't know, for some reason you can't afford it, I will send it to you free of cost if that's the issue. Oh, that's I really great. will. So you can go to breakingforjesus.com. So B-R-E-A-K-I-N-G-F-O-R-J-E-S-U-S.com. Well, thanks again. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. All right. Thanks, brother. If you've learned anything from this episode or if you've enjoyed this podcast in any way, please give it a good review on iTunes. This is the best way for other people to notice Romans Road and give it a listen. The more Christians we have learning about evangelism and the more evangelism taking place 
the more we glorify the Lord. Ray Comfort here. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please take a moment to do so now. On your phone's podcast app, search for Romans Road, and when you find it, hit subscribe. It's free, and by doing so, you'll get all episodes past, present, and future. Then when you're finished, head over to livingwaters.com for a huge collection of evangelism videos, articles, tracks, and resources to help you share the gospel with those around you. That's livingwaters.com. Thanks for listening to Romans Road. If you want to learn how to evangelize, check out my book, Search and Rescue, available at eddyroman.com. On my website, you'll also find videos and other things to encourage you to preach the gospel to your friends and family. That's eddyroman.com. See you next time. Yeah.